Elon Musk takes the delete Facebook, move it to heart. David Shulkin, who was out as the VA secretary, gets very real about his time being the VA secretary. And the Arizona governor has suspended Uber self-driving tests, of course, after the fatality incident that happened last week. Those are three pretty big stories for the week, but not quite big enough to break into the top 10. So what stories are the tops as per you this week? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more in just a bit on the weekly wrap-up show for the week ending March the 31st, 2018. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Cleveland Payne. I am the voice behind all things here at this conversation. And I am very glad to be with you for another week of great talk about the great stories going on and some of the not so great stories that are going on throughout the week. Now, the purpose behind this show is pretty simple. We allow you, that's the people out there in the world via the magic of the Internet, to tell us what stories are actually the most important stories in the world. We are not pushed by CNN, Fox News, or MSNBC per se, but we do post stories from various different sources all over the world, all over the internet, literally around the world, and get a global perspective on what stories are the tops for you, what you are talking about, what you think are interesting, and it's very simple how it's done. You go to the internet, however you want to get to the internet, and follow us on Twitter, TH underscore conversation. Also follow us on Facebook at This Is The Conversation. And it's very important that we use both of those feeds. We'll talk about that, how we learn some things in this week's countdown about how things get in the countdown. Not that we're manipulating anything, but it's very important that we don't use just one source to make things work out. It's funny how things work out in that way. And all you have to do is follow us on those social media platforms. When a story comes down from us that you like, love, hate, or really need to talk to, you like it, you love it, you hate it, you respond to me or the conversation itself, and it gets checked. All the interactions, all the impressions, all the engagement gets checked into a spreadsheet that adds things up, subtracts a couple things, does some long division, I'm sure, and then gives us the rankings from top to bottom. This week, after last week's massive 128 list, we only have 105 individual stories this week, but it's still a pretty good heavy work, and we're posting, as we're saying, a lot more stories past my bedtime in the wee hours of the night where I live in a central zone, which is getting a lot of love because we do have a fairly international reach for the podcast and for the actual conversation because it's on the internet. As we said, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, respond to what comes down, and we give you the top 10. We also talk about the almost relevant story this week. We also go through as many of the other stories as we can in between, and we have a lot of fun with you. Now, the second segment of this show, which was the interview segment, is currently the My Quick um, my quick uh, response segment. I get to do a little bit of commentary. We may have to let that go away because it's not quite working but we want to save the spot, so we need a placeholder. We're going to ask you in the housekeeping part of that before we do a very quick commentary what I should do with segment number two. And segment number two, as I just said, we'll talk about the almost irrelevant story of the week. That is story 105 this week, and that's mostly based on timing. It was literally the last story posted before we did the countdown, so it didn't get much love. And then between that and the end of the show, we will give you as many of the other ones that are just kind of floating out there, also ranked in random order. So I have no idea how they come up until I get to that listing. So to be a part of the show, as I've already said twice, but I'll say it one more time because it's very important that you are part of the show. Follow us on Facebook 
Look for This Is a Conversation. Follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation and respond to the links we send so they get into the tally. So let's get to the tally, shall we? Starting off with the number 10 story for this week, Jennifer Addison denies biting Beyonce. Now, this was a pretty big deal. We posted this on Tuesday. The story goes back a bit further. Uh, so just kind of take a breath and go with me. This may not be the most important story of the week, but it was a pretty big story around the world. Tiffany Haddish gave an interview on on GQ a magazine that suggested that an actress was high on drugs and bit Beyonce during an after party in December. So what does that have to do with Jennifer Aniston? Jennifer Aniston was reportedly one of the people who were suspected of biting Beyonce, which, well, Beyonce may actually look tasty, but probably not good to bite her in public places. Now, Tiffany Haddish gave the interview and essentially said she was going to fight this actress. She was trying to figure out who it was or she knew it was and she was ready to fight, but wasn't ready to spill the beans on that. Apparently, the beans have been spilt, the tea has been sipped, however you want to do it, and Silent Lathan is the actual biter in question. We'll see if a fight will occur, we'll see if apologies will be given, we'll see if um, Silent will be biting anyone else soon. But right now, we sort of know the answer to this mystery that, trust me, has been plaguing the world for quite a bit. May not seem like the biggest story of the week, but trust me, anybody accosting Beyonce gets pretty big news pretty quickly. Moving on to the nine story this week, bump in response by 1.02% in reactions from you. Posted on Wednesday, March 28th, Bonanza for Schools as San Francisco crypto king Ripple gives $29 million to DonorsChoose.org. San Francisco schools had a DonorsChoose.org campaign set up to raise money for stuff donors can choose who to give stuff for and it was sent out for bay area teachers to make some money for their schools and here's what happened 29 million dollars worth of library books and computers field trips trombones and microscopes and backpacks and pens and pencils all the stuff that a school would need all the stuff school is asking for was paid for by one group one company one donor ripple Ripple paid for more than 35,600 classrooms requests on the nonprofit crowdfunding platform, which is a great thing. No one is discounting the fact that they did a great thing for the kids and for schools. Uh, but there is the issues of cryptocurrency being in the news for being cryptic, if you will. So sometimes it's a devil you know, devil you don't know. And sometimes the devils may be the biggest angel to come down to getting people things they need. But a very good deed done by this company, although what they do is cryptocurrency. So it's still technically kind of in secret. Let's move on to number eight story this week. We posted this on Saturday, March 24th. Bump a response of 4.04% from the nine story. Headline is Justin Bieber involved in West Hollywood car crash. We, of course, got this from TMZ. Cops called after car wreck for Justin Bieber. He got in the wreck, and it was, you know, not necessarily anything big. In fact, he probably wasn't at fault. We don't have an update on the story, but uh, from the article, Justin Bieber was smacked from behind in his G-Class Friday night, and the L.A. County Sheriff's Department got involved. Bieber was on Sunset Boulevard just before 9 p.m. in West Hollywood, where he was rear-ended by a Range Rover, of course, a Range Rover. Law enforcement sources tell us that OnStar system from one of the vehicles alerted them to the crash. We're told officers stood by while Bieber and the drove driver exchanged info, but the cops didn't take a report there. So he was by himself driving around in L.A., got rear-ended. Nothing to see here, literally just a quick little accident on Hollywood Boulevard or, or West Hollywood, for example. Sunset Boulevard, that's where it was. 
Nothing to see here at all. Let's roll on to the number seven story this week. And the seven and the six story are stories that are a proof of why we use the two platforms and why we wait so late in the morning, early in the day, if you will, to post these stories or to post the top ten. Why we don't do it like Thursday night and work on it Friday morning because we want to make it as lively as possible. And surprises often happen, as happened this morning. Two stories we posted, one more or less late last night, one very early this morning. Uh, are in the top 10 at 7 and 6. Starting off with a 7, Colin Della and emerging backup Scott Foster make debut in Nets Blackhawks 6-2 win. Now debut, debuts, however you want to say that. Both these guys made their debut into the hockey realm last night, one of them literally being an emergency backup. This is the only sport where that happens. Scott Foster is a uh, is, is a money guy. He's a, not a day trader. He's a um, financial advisor, if you will. Uh, he's just a guy who plays rec league hockey and got a chance to play hockey for real last night when they had an issue with the, the goalie. So Colin Dela got a chance to play uh, very early into his career. That turned out to be sooner than he thought. And then, of course, Scott Foster, who didn't think he'd actually play on the ice, just sitting in the arena as a mercy backup goalie. Uh, they had an issue last night when Anston Fosberg was uh, was a late scratch to the um, to the team, uh, forcing Dela into the main lineup. So they had just one goalie, and they had to bring in the backup, which was, of course, the 36-year-old Foster. He was an amateur who, on a tryout contract, he lives nearby. And the last time he played any relative hockey was back in 2006. He played college uh, co- college hockey at Western Michigan from 2002 to 06, and that was the last time he played anything of worth note. But because they had a hockey goalie got scratched, and because the new guy had to get a little bit of relief, these two guys get their debut, and it's a massive, glorious, awesome win against the Jets last night. As we said, two to six. Hockey's the only game where this happens. I use as an example in my life coaching life um, the the year that the Arizona Cardinals in football went to the playoffs. And they lost their starting quarterback and backup quarterback uh, right around the playoffs as they were getting hot. So they had to go to a third stringer, a guy they drafted who barely had time to carry a clipboard. And they talked a big game about hyping them up for this playoff game because I think it was the conference championships. If they won, they were going to the Super Bowl. And I think it was a year that Arizona was hosting the Super Bowl as well. So it was one of those things. And he faltered, as was be expected, with a pure rookie who had no experience. Hockey's the only sport where a guy can literally come off the street with just enough skill to kind of just skate with the guys and then be there for the thing and help win the thing. Massive saves by the guy off the street and massive saves by the new guy and a good hockey story, a good story about perseverance and sticking in there. And one time, sooner or later, you may get your shot. doesn't happen very often, but these guys got their shot. So that story, the number seven story, got a bumper response of almost 1%, 0.97 to be exact, and it shows why we use the Facebook and the Twitter to get the responses. Together with Facebook and Twitter responses, pushed it up high enough to get into the top 10 this week. Otherwise, it would not have ranked into the top 15 at least. The same thing to be said about the number six story coming up. Although it had enough Twitter love, it came in around 2 a.m. Or that's when we posted about 2 a.m. Friday morning. We posted the hockey one about 5 a.m. Friday morning and it got enough love off both pit places. But Twitter was enough to push the number six story to where it is. And that is Dutch Holocaust hero Johan von Holsch dies at 107. As we said, posted it this morning as we taped this on Friday, March 30th. Uh, And it gets a bump response from the seven. Not very much, but enough. 0.96%. A quick go into this story. 
Now, this was a former Dutch senator and teacher who was renowned for his efforts to save hundreds of Jewish children during the Holocaust. He died on March 22nd at age 107. It took a while for us to hear this because sometimes it takes a while for some of these stories to get through. Uh, but from the story, we pulled it from CNN. As principal of the Reformed Teachers Training College, Van Hurst found himself at the center of a growing operation to smuggle Jewish children out of Amsterdam to protect them from Nazi persecution during the Second World War. He recalled a quote. Uh, this is something he recalled to someone about this a few years ago as he talked about remembering the day. Try to imagine 80, 90, perhaps 70 or 100 children standing there. And you have to decide which children to take with you. That was the most difficult day of my life. Now, he was saying about that during the period in 1943 when Jewish daycare center uh, was due to be cleared out. And he had to figure out which children were going to get out. And, he, and that was something tough for him. So a person who did a great thing is gone and someone we should probably look up to that being the former teacher and Dutch senator Johan von Hulst he died on March 22nd at the age of 107 we move on to the number five story this week and this is the second sports story of the week and the second of two and only two stories this week we do a lot of sports oddly enough but it was a story that's more or less pushed by the fueled by the haters I will say we posted this on Tuesday March 27th the headline D'Angelo Ball declares for 2018 draft bump in response 22.86% from the six. And obviously it came out earlier than those two stories. But let's back up into Leangelo for a bit. Leangelo, who is the middle son for LeVar Ball, um, declared for the draft, says his agent, uh, who says this to Yahoo Sports. It was kind of an up in the air for a while on what exactly was done. But he's he's basically put his name in his hat is in the ring for the draft coming up in a few months. Now, of course, he was formerly playing for UCLA, was a part of the deal that got, you know, high, whatever happened in China with the sunglasses, and because he was not getting back on team fast enough, his father pulled him out of college, also pulled his youngest son out of high school and sent them over to Lithuania to play for a pro team where they didn't play very well. Of course, he is the younger brother, both of your younger brothers, of Lonzo Ball, who, of course, is playing in the NBA with the Lakers. And we'll see what's going to happen. So, Leangelo is, uh, was playing for UCLA. He got caught up in a stealing thing, sunglasses stealing thing in China. And he probably isn't all that good, which is sort of the issue. Sometimes we get famous brothers who get in and they bring in other players and they stay as a big team. In football, there's a lot of brothers who are on par with the same level of, of skill and challengemanship. However, in basketball, sometimes one brother outshines the other by a whole bunch. Just ask the, uh, the Curry brothers uh, which one gets the most love and which one is not barely in the league. So this ball, who's a 6'5 guard forward, uh, is playing pros in Lithuania. Right now he's averaging uh, a league leading 15.7 points and 2.9 rebounds, shooting 43, 45% from three-point range, which has gotten better. But the problem is he's playing on technically a junior team. He's the oldest guy on a team that essentially 15, 16-year-olds, the same age as his younger brother, who's doing kind of marginaling in there. We'll see if the second ball makes it in and the big baller brand will grow on in the league. Of course, Lonzo says he's playing for the Lakers. We'll see if the Lakers really want to deal with this. 
Let's move to the number four story this week, a big story talked about all across the main media here in the States. The headline is Stormy Daniels interview with 60 Minutes Anderson Cooper. This gives a bump in response of 1.55% from the five story. We posted this on Sunday, essentially after the interview happened, and we posted a link to the 60 Minutes site, which had the full interview. So if you missed it, you got a chance to see the whole thing unedited on the website. And we're sure a lot of people were just checking out, rechecking out the interview. What we learned from the interview is uh, Stormy Daniels had a very seemingly quick, brief, and boring sexual tryst with the former private citizen Donald Trump back when he was 60 years old. Uh, everything was initiated more or less by Trump. Although Stormy, Stormy says she was not a victim, she had consensual, unprotected sex with Donald Trump. Um, it wasn't all that great. It only happened once. She ba- he basically kept calling her to try to keep her around by dangling the apprentice in her face. He compared her to her his daughter. She did spank him with a magazine with his face on it, but it wasn't because Trump liked it. It's because she decided to do it. It was all just kind of a really boring thing. She did mention a shady, a shady kind of threat that was given to her, to her person. Uh, she also said in the interview, the main reason why she's talking now, because she did sign these things because she was forced or sort of coerced to do it, is the fact that the story got out anyway. And so if the story is out there anyway, and Donald Trump didn't necessarily sign this agreement, why is she being silent about it? Why, she did, why can't she basically tell the truth? So that's what she did. She told the truth. She told what the incident was. And hopefully wants to move on from there and maybe make a little extra money from the deal. We'll see how that works out. The number three story this week proves that we either have a fairly big audience uh, across the pond, way across the pond, a big international audience or a lot of people in the States who care about things that are international and Australia. Because the Australians are hinting at a possible World Cup boycott over the nerve agent attack by the Russians. This story gets a bump in response, a very big one from the four of 52.67%. Now, the details from the story go as follows. Australia said on Tuesday, uh, this course posted on March 27th, uh, it will expel two Russian diplomats in response to the nerve agent attack on former Russian spy in Britain. And that they are hinting at the possible boycott of the World Cup. United States said on Monday it's going to, of course, expel 60 diplomats. Uh, Europe, uh, in total, 100 diplomats have been ex- removed from Western Europe altogether. And adding insult to injury, the Australians believe they will probably not, or at least they're threatening not, to travel to the Russian World Cup in 2018. We'll see if that happens. Moving to the two-story for this week, U.S. Postal Service is releasing the stamp Honoring Mr. Rogers. That is the headline that we have from the story that we pulled from a local story, well, local news outlet where we got it from, but it was big all day on Friday, March 23rd. This was the highest response Twitter story we had all week. Bump a response from the three story of 62%. So a lot of people loving a Mr. Rogers. And nostalgia, as we've been saying a lot, is a big thing these days. And with the new documentary on Mr. Rogers that came out last week, at least we got the trailer for it last week, then the big push uh, going on to relive some of the things that really were good way back when, although sometimes our nostalgia hints at things that were better that really weren't. 
Mr. Rogers was pretty much awesome all the time. And as the headline goes, the story goes, it was a beautiful day to honor Mr. Rogers with a postage stamp. The postage stamp service on Friday released a stamp featuring Fred Rogers, of course, with his puppet King Friday. It will go on sale fairly soon. Rogers, of course, died in 2003 at the age of 74 and was on PBS on Mr. Rogers. The show aired between 1968 and 2000. So it was an amazing thing. It was uh, recorded in the Pittsburgh studio just forever, and they dedicated a dedicated ceremony for the stamp in the studio in Pittsburgh where Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, recorded his show. It was groundbreaking back in 68. Still kind of groundbreaking back in 2001. If it weren't for the advanced age of Mr. Rogers and his health, it probably could be going on right now. So thank you so much, Mr. Rogers, for all you brought to us. And we will honor you once again with something pretty cool, a stamp. Now, the number one story this week, former U.S. Senator and Georgia Governor Zell Miller dies at 86. This was the highest response on Facebook and a pretty high response on Twitter as well. This one gets a bump in response from the number two story on its own of 62.35%. From the number 10 story, Jennifer Addison not biting Beyonce, 436%. And from the almost irrelevant story this week, which is 105 this week in response, 13,000%. One three zero 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 one three zero five zero to be exact, but thirteen thousand fifty percent over that story. And this was a story of a legislator who had a lot of a lot of backing, a lot of friends in the business, a lot of people looking out for him. He was a two-term governor, U.S. senator, and here in the states, your federal job trumps your your state job. So many state governors go on to be senators and representatives in the United States. And when they come back home after retirement, they are referred to by their higher rank, which is the senator because it was a federal as opposed to the governor or whatever they were in the in the state there. And Zell Miller, a very popular, uh, very popular politician uh, across the nation. Of course, he was Georgia's governor, but he was just popular along the Bible Belt and essentially all over place. He lost the fight to change the Confederate state themed state flag in Georgia. He championed selling lottery tickets to fund scholarships. He did a lot of things that were pretty weird and unconventional for this Southern like and Southern ilk, but that's just what he did as in the South. Governor from 1991 to 1999, senator uh, to retired at in 2000 at the age of 68. It was um, just an amazing guy if you follow the politics and what he did. And from what we can tell, no weird skeletons have popped up in his closet yet. We posted the story on the day we got the announcement, Friday, March 23rd. And as we said, a very big, very popular story for this week. We'll see what shakes out for next week as we go deeper into that. But the big issue for the week now is getting you into the next week's worth of stories. How does that happen? Well, you've heard the top 10 stories of this week. To get in for next week, you just need to follow us on social media. Like we said, Twitter and Facebook. That's where all the responses come from. On Facebook, look for This is a Conversation. On Twitter, look for TH underscore conversation. And when a story we post goes in the feed, click on it, like it, love it, share it, talk about it, reply to it. And the more responses they get, the higher engagement they get, if you will the better it gets into the rankings for the week. And we give you a top 10 list just like that and a list all the way from top to bottom 
as you said, this week, the bottom story is number 105. And we will discuss that story in the third segment of the show, along with rounding out the top 15 and getting in as many other stories as we can in whatever time we have allotted. Coming up in just a bit, we're going to talk about the my commentary, which will probably not last for much longer, and what we're doing with the second segment, and of course, begging for your help again. This is the Conversations Weekly Wrap-Up Show for the week ending March 31st, 2018. I'm Nick. And I'm Justin. We are the Epic Film Guys, and we'd like just a moment of your time to talk about an extremely important event coming up this May. Last year, we hosted the live stream for The Cure, a 12-hour live stream fundraiser where we raised $2,500 for the Cancer Research Institute. 86 cents out of every dollar raised goes to research toward finding a cure. And this year, we're aiming to smash that goal, and we need your help to do it. Join us from May 18th through the 20th for 30 hours of amazing live stream content from us and a whole host of amazing podcasters who will be joining us to try to reach $5,000. For more information, please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com. Together, we can make a difference. deeper inside than we probably need to and time-wise will probably go slightly longer than I expected it in my head but I want to make sure that all the listeners to the show understand where the show is going why it is a show per se not so much a podcast and how we're trying to remedy situations as they go along now let's go back six weeks where we stopped having podcast guests in the center in this segment of the show playing the brackets and we still continue to have this middle segment of the show, not extending the time we're doing for the stories and not shortening the show itself. Well, the third segment in the show helps make the show work out for something closer to a more regular media format. My vision for the extended version and the timed version at about 46 minutes is that this be placed on radio stations somewhere. And while that dream has not come to fruition yet, we're still keeping things in form so that when we're ready for that to happen and when we have the right uh, funds for one part and the infrastructure to make sure we get distribution, uh, we're ready to go with that one. To make this thing more interesting for local people to hear and, of course, just for you in general and make it more fun, we added the interview segment and had it as a staple and put in the brackets game so we made it relevant to the news of the day or news of the week, I should say. And timing has not a lot, a, not a lot of a chance to really put this out there to keep this on the schedule that I want to keep it going on so that we can have this ready for production for more radio stuff. It's got to be done in the window that it's doing. We've got to wait to a certain point to pull the information. We've got so much time to we only have so much time to make it into the information for a show. And of course, we've got to get it published in a timely manner. And with scheduling people for an interview, which is essentially a six-hour window on Fridays, turned into something that was a pretty interesting to do, especially when my full-time radio job had issues going on and it would trump an interview time and make things all sorts of crazy. 
So that was an issue with the interview segment here. That's why we've not had interviews in six weeks, even though we had a pledge to not go a full week without an interview here in 2018. That obviously got bumped and that whole plans got scrapped. So as a placeholder, we've been doing these um, commentaries because originally, well, originally in the ideas of this, it was a seven day a week thing, a daily check in for the podcast where we went over top stories of the day, the weekly wrap up, and then, of course, a weekly commentary where I got a chance to really go in deep with stuff. I've been doing that by choosing more or less of short brackets on myself with the eight stories. And that's not quite working. I'm getting feedback from you guys out there, and I'm glad you're sending the feedback and they're being honest and hurting my feelings with a a sense of heart to it because I'm feeling essentially the same way. I want to be more out there and more commentary-ish, which is not really a word, but the way it's working out from the brackets and the stories that are being chosen for me essentially in the top eight isn't exactly working. I'm not exactly picking a story that I'm picking. I don't have the surprise coming to me from someone offering it up to me. So until I can figure out a way to get someone, a temporary co-host-ish person, to offer up stories to me in a fashion manner where I don't know what's coming up and I have to think of my feet, that's not going to work as well as I thought it was going to. So the second segment is probably going to turn into the weekly housekeeping as it is, and it's going to talk about some stats, some figures, and how we got things done. So that's essentially what's going on. By the way, just out of curiosity, I did set up for my own uh, interview, my own brackets this week, and it was going to break itself down to the story on Mr. Rogers and the stamp number two versus the number seven story this week for the hockey players that got in on the game because of the emergency. And it, the, the hockey players won just by s- slight margin. And my take on that was hockey is a sport where dreams can come true. And if you have a dream, you never know what might happen. And so there's your commentary. And that's why it doesn't work out because the more topical and the more hard-hitting stories didn't match up very well to what was going on. And I just didn't have the heart to do it to make this whole thing work out producing. Writing commentary is kind of hard. So I didn't have time to work all that stuff out while I was actually putting together all the details for the show. And that's just how it turned out. In the meantime, third segment, as we said, or second segment, this segment will live on in some way, probably in a shorter way. And it may turn into the real promotional segment again, asking, begging, pleading for stuff from you that isn't the sponsor stuff. Trust me, the sponsor spot is coming in a moment. But asking for things that we're looking for. The problem is the biggest thing we were looking for people to sign up for the the conversation survey panel and people to sign up for the interviews are things we hadn't been pushing lately because they have not really pushed the over outlying mission of the of the this is the conversation they're sort of being phased out because they're not working as well in the big picture as we need them to especially since we can't get in enough people for interviews to make it work out in a time wise and the conversation survey panel it's probably going to be sucked into some other survey infra, uh, infrastructure thing I have working on the side and no longer be a part of this here unless something really drastic happens here. So if you really want to get in on that one, I suggest you go to thisisaconversation.com slash survey panel and get in on the survey panel so I know it needs to live here and not somewhere else. So what should I do with this middle segment? I would love your suggestions, love your ideas. You sent me suggestions telling me that the 
that my commentary wasn't quite working, wasn't quite hitting the way it should. So what should I put here? Let me know. It's really simple. Send me an email, info at jclevenpain.net, I-N-F-O at jclevenpain.net. That is the home of the email home for basically the central hub for business, all things me. And send me some information, send me some ideas, send me some thoughts, and hopefully we'll have something that will turn into something great. In the meantime, this time will still exist in some form, shape, or fashion. How it gets utilized, that's going to be interesting. But we want to keep the set, the middle segment in because it works out for my plans for radio distribution. Having a 25-minute first segment doesn't work out so great, but, you know, one problem at a time. In the meantime, thank you so much for being a part of the conversation all over the world. We can't do this without you. And if you have more people who are into this, you know, share it with some folks. Share it with friends, families, enemies, random strangers. Let people know about this podcast. Let people know about this this website. Let people know about us on social media. TH underscore conversation on Twitter. And this is the conversation. Search for us that way on Facebook. Facebook having all sorts of weird algorithm problems and some of them based on things they've actually done wrong. So they're doing some shifting and change to make sure that more friendly things are in your feed and we want to be seen as friendly. So make sure you select whatever needs to be selected today or in the future, if you hear this in the future, uh, to make sure that we're popping up on a normal basis, regular basis in your feed. We are not fake news. We are news feeds for various links from different sources and we just need you to conversate on them, like them, love them, share them, do what you need to uh, show that it's something that you care about in this news story. And we'll get a chance to talk about it here on the show. Coming up in just a bit, we'll get to the almost relevant story of the week, plus running out the top 15 and whatever left in time here for the conversations weekly wrap up show for the week ending March 31st, 2018. There's a reason why FreshBooks sounds like it's overplayed as a commercial for podcasts. It's because FreshBooks is used by many podcasters who run their podcasts as real businesses. And so many small businesses trust FreshBooks as their way to get things done. FreshBooks has small business software and it lives on the cloud or in your app or in your phone. And it makes billing painless. It makes everything easy to do because you can always do it wherever you are, however you are whatever your format is. If you are working off your tablet, if you're working off your phone in the field, if you're working at your desktop in your office, you can access all your FreshBooks information from there. It's easy invoices for you to create and for your clients to pay. It makes the whole process simple and it makes you get work done and look great without having to put any extra work into it. The whole system is so easy to use. The powerful features are everywhere. And as we said, it's in the cloud. You can access it from your truck, access it from the trailer, access it from the job site, or access it from your office. It has everything your company needs to get things going, especially if you've had issues getting things organized and it can help you get your taxes all prepared, ready as tax season gets closer and closer. We have a great deal to get you in on FreshBooks, which you can start for free anyway. But if you go through our website, you get a great extra deal for FreshBooks. Go to thisisaconversation.com slash FreshBooks. 
this is conversation.com slash FreshBooks, or go to our website and click on sponsors, and, and you help us out by going to any of our sponsor pages. But we're putting a great big spotlight this week, and for many weeks to come, we'll probably put them as the main sponsor for the show this week, sponsored exclusively on top, extra specially by FreshBooks. It's cloud accounting that just simply works. With about 10 minutes left of the show, I want to thank you one more time for being a part of the podcast, going through the fits and spurts that we're going through and sticking with us throughout the way. We've had a lot of great response over the last couple of weeks, a lot of big things with some major uh, major good news things, including, which I should have said in the last segment, uh, our first iTunes review, which was kind of simple, but it was a five-star review, and a lot of people are digging this all over the world. This is literally a worldly podcast, so I'm glad about that. Let me know what you want in the podcast by going to the website, thisisconversation.com, and sending us a message so that we know what we can do to fix the things that need to be fixed or prop up the things that need to be propped up. Let's go ahead and get into the almost relevant story for this week. As we said, this was a slower week as from last week. We had 128 total stories. This week, only 105 on this weekend. This story almost relevant and is placed there essentially on the timing. This was the very last story we posted literally minutes before we started crunching the numbers. We were running a little late getting that going. And so we had things in the kitty. We saw what was posting, let it go, and it didn't get much response. It's also not a very, I don't want to say interesting story, but it's not a very hard-hitting story on a national or world level unless you are a lover of radio and radio people. That story for this week, the headline goes, Utah bans non-compete agreements for radio and TV. Now, like I said, not the most interesting uh, article in the world, but it means enough to me because I work in radio and non-competes are something that most people have to deal with in media as well. And this is re- reading from The Trade. The Trade Inside Radio came out this morning as we recorded it. Um, for anyone who works in radio, television, or cable in the state of Utah and makes less than $913 a week or 47476 a year, there's a new law in place that could make it easier to change jobs. Utah Governor Gary Herbert, or maybe say a bear, I'm not sure, has signed into law a bill that expands the state's existing prohibition on non-compete agreements to anyone working in broadcasting. Now, there are some caveats there. Uh, Non-competes would still be allowed if there are any part of the employment contract that lasts four years or less, and, and or if there's a breach of the contract that leads to use of employee getting leads to employee getting fired, or the employee is fired for cause or some other matter. So you can um, push your non-compete on someone if if the whole termination gets knocked out. But if a person is in good standing and wants to move on someplace else, and there's some sort of uh, just weird kind of language that doesn't quite fit in that that you can kind of get around a lot of things are sort of overlap in markets if your radio station kind of barely touches the signal of another radio station you can't deal with it you can move on there and this probably works out for people who are moving like back in day call it we call it across the street from one station to another now there's not a lot of stations in that with that much health in the music business or the radio business should say so that doesn't happen very often but maybe it will now in utah and maybe this turns into a trend. Maybe it'll help me get on my non-compete. Now I can do more podcasts, which pay little money. So we'll see how that works out. Let's round out the top 11 real quick, going mostly through the headlines quickly. Fourth time, 
Number 11 story this week, Elon Musk deletes SpaceX and Tesla pages from Facebook as he fused with Mark Zuckerberg. Now, while other people are deleting their Facebook pages because of security information and just being weirded out by the fact that people are reading their stuff, Elon Musk has a beef with Mark Zuckerberg, and a lot of it is over AI, which is some of the reasons why these things are happening. So he deleted the SpaceX and Tesla pages. I'm not sure if he personally hit the button or if he had some minion do it, but Elon Musk is no longer, or at least SpaceX and Tesla, no longer publishing their stuff on the Facebook. Gene Upsaw of the League G League's Grand Rapids Drive dies days after he collapsed on court near the end of a game. This we posted early last week on Monday, the 24th. 2nd, 26th of March, get that straight, and Gino Shaw was a player who was playing in the what was once the D-League, now the G-League, because it's branded by Gatorade, for the Grand Rapids Drive. He was playing a game and collapsed after a ball game, after a basketball game, literally on the floor as the game was over, and died a few days later. That's a very sad story for the family, and not sure if there has been an update on his health and why anything happened, any sort of autopsy or anything like that, but... We mourn the loss of a young basketball player, a guy trying to stay in the game. Uh, it just didn't quite work out for him. The number 13 story this week, uh, this is a quote from the op-ed. It should not be this hard to serve your country. These words written and published in the New York Times by David Shulkin, who was the Veterans Affairs Secretary for the United States, fired via tweet, like it so happens with Donald Trump, uh, because... Things weren't being fixed fast enough. As Trump sort of said, the wait times are still too long. So I'm firing Shulkin and I'm going to hire my, I guess his, I guess it is his personal physician, the White House physician, the apprentices, the president's physician, who is an admiral and did serve in Iraq. So he knows how these things work. But he essentially hasn't run a hospital. He just basically runs the health of the White House staff. Now, the biggest issue that Mr. Shulkin has with the Veterans Affairs is the fact that there's a push seemingly by the appointees that just have been put in since he took the job to privatize the medicine given by VVA. Maybe because it's more expedient, maybe because it's better, maybe it's because Trump is really trying to screw the government. Yes, I did say that. But... What he's saying is the issues on the changing the structure of the VA and the medicine given by the Veterans Affairs hospitals into a privatized system is essentially kind of an underlying thing that made it just ridiculous to kind of work there. As he said in the quote from his op-ed, it's kind of hard to do this. It shouldn't be this hard to serve your country uh, and then have these issues come out. We'll see how the VA works out in the new system and if the current current nominee gets if he gets confirmed going to arizona again for the 14th story the governor there suspends uber and their self-driving car test after fatality that happened in that state a few weeks ago a self-driving car with a man behind it in the driver's seat but the car on total autonomous mode hit a lady who later died from injuries and so now the self-driving tests are been banned in arizona and skynet has another few days to figure things out i guess and Firefighters Dies Fighting Blaze on set of Ed Norton film in Harlem. A film being shot by Ed Norton or being shot with Ed Norton and Bruce Willis uh, had some issues where the set caught on fire and some firefighters had to deal with it. And one of them died in that blaze. This part's posted last Friday, March 23rd, and had enough to kind of live around to stay in the range. But 
Uh, some of the, the later stories popping up this week were more than enough to push them down into the um, the 15 spot. That concludes things for the ones that are officially ranked. With the final few minutes we have left, we will go through as quickly as we can some headlines for some of the stories that you may or may not have missed in the last eight days or so. Starting with this one, maybe it's a doozy, maybe not. Who knows? You have to actually see what you think for yourself. We had a story out of Australia that is uh, a expose, if you will, kind of big story on talk about the diversity that's happening in Australia TV. The fact that there are more brownish people with a quote from the, the headline saying, it's great to see people who aren't all blondes and blue eyes that live on the coast. I guess they have those issues in other places as well. Meanwhile, California is suing the Trump administration over the decision to add citizenship questions to the upcoming 2020 census. The argument by the Trump administration is it was there until the last census, so why not put it back on? The argument for mostly blue states are if people don't register themselves as people in our states, we will probably lose spots in the House of Representatives and some money from tax plans. We shall see how that all works out. The former drummer for the band The Offspring did something really cool. And if you didn't know, it's because he's a literally is a, is a doctor. Now let's go to the actual headline, and it goes something like this. Offspring drummer turned OBGYN saves prospective juror in own malpractice trial. Yes, a juror in the tr- his trial for malpractice was having some issues, and he was able to save the juror because he is a doctor. More specifically, he is a OBGYN. Does that mean anything? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it does. And very quickly, um, no charges were filed for the death of Arlen, Alton Sterling, the um, black man killed in Louisiana. The attorney general in Louisiana said there will be no charges against the officers involved in that shooting. We will see what becomes of that. It's already becoming a civil rights case on top of the newest one happening in Sacramento, but hopefully it's not another rash of seemingly random black people being shot for no reason. Thank you so much for being a part of the conversation, being a part of the show. We love you. We appreciate you. Share us with some friends, families, and random strangers so that we get more great people in for these conversations. 